Hey, my name is Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. And at our church, we talk a lot about wanting to be a part of restoring faith in Jesus and the church. So we want you to know, wherever you find yourself on your spiritual journey, whether you're deconstructing or reconstructing, whether you're disentangling, doubting, rebuilding, no matter where you are, we want you to know that you are not alone. And we want to be a support for you as you journey down this road of faith. So if you have questions or you need support, we would love to chat with you. You can reach out to us through our website at restoreaustin.org. And we hope you enjoy this week's message. All right. Hey, everyone. How's, how's it going? Are you good? Solid? Good morning for everybody. There was tacos back there, so I felt like I got my morning off to a really good start. But it's been a while since I've been up here. And so most of you probably may not know exactly who I am, apart from maybe if you saw it on the website. But I am Ivor Robinson, the lead pastor of Moon Tower Church, which is a sister church to Restore. And these last few years have been fueled, I think this is like an understatement with just a lot of ups and downs and moments where it just felt like, I mean, complete chaos. That's the only way that I can describe what has been happening. And sometimes when we're experiencing chaos, sometimes our human nature, we just want to retreat, right? And we want to put ourselves in isolation, feeling like we're the only ones that are feeling what we're feeling, just like the pure exhaustion and just the pure pain, the pure anger, hurt, all of these things that we're feeling, the sadness and things. But the fact is that there are many others who are trying to figure out what to do with the chaos of just like the raw emotions and how to manage these things um, plus life. (laughs) Starts to feel a little bit hopeless when you put all of those things together. And so as I was walking through just like the range of emotions of just life and things that were happening around me, Um, and all of those things that you take in like throughout your day, right? You've taken on social media and people that you come across and whatever that thing may be, whatever burdens your heart, all of those things. Um, I was trying to figure out what do I do with this? Like, what do I do with all of these raw emotions? And the answer that I found in all of the trials and all the tribulations was to let people help me. That seems really simple, but I grew up in this way of like, my mom was like, make sure you can take care of yourself. And that's always what I've done. I've made sure that I could take care of myself. I made sure everything was handled. And so when it comes to asking people for things, it's like, it's the complete struggle. But I realized if I'm gonna make it through this thing and if I'm gonna make it through on the other side, healthy and whole and better when I came in, I had to let people help me. And so I let people help me and I let people love me. And I was vulnerable in my raw emotional state of what I was walking through and where I was going. Um, I feel like I learned truly what community was. And community, it's just being affirmed at just the right time and being allowed to just feel, to feel what we are feeling without fear of judgment and to say what we need to say without fear of repercussions. And the crazy part is the reason why I came to Moon Tower was to do that for other people. So I could create this space where people could come in, they don't have to code switch, they don't have to take off who they are, like they can bring all of their baggage in And I believe that was like the desire for Moon Tower Church. That is so what was burning in my heart. And I did all these things for other people. And little did I know that that community would turn around and do the same thing for me. That they would hold me in those spaces. And in this intimate and vulnerable way, we just walked. And we kept walking together. And so let me rewind though and take us back to the beginning of this beautiful and chaotic roller coaster ride that I would still go on over and over again, even knowing how it ended or how, what the outcome is. And so almost three years ago, well, me and Zach, first off, we know each other through FCA camp. 
And so we were college athletes, and a bunch of college athletes would go in the summer, and we would just work FCA camp. We'd stay up way too late. We were huddle leaders over high school kids. We'd stay up all night, go back. I was doing, usually I was doing softball, and so I'd be on the hot sun. Like, we just had this thing, this really good time together. But Zach and I, we weren't super close. We just kind of stayed friends on social media, and we just... Like, I would just like his stuff, comment on it. He would like mine, comment on it. And that's kind of how it was over the span of, what, probably 10 years from when we had known each other. And so, almost three years ago, Zach contacted me. He says he was leading a search to find the lead pastor of Moon Tower Church, a church that would be planted on UT's campus with the help of its sister church, Restore. I thought, wow, that sounds like a really cool opportunity for somebody else. I'm like, you're hyping this up. This sounds great, but you got to get somebody else to do it because I got things going on. You see, this was not in my plan. And in fact, it went against everything that I was planning for my life and myself and the life of my family. I had a five-year plan. I'm one of those people that I'm like, you know, I put it in my notes and all of these things. I have this big vision. So I have this five-year plan. We were moving to Portugal. I'd already picked out houses. Like, I was about to, like, I was showing everybody, telling everybody what we were about to do. And this was it. Like, I felt this burning desire that this is what God wanted for our family. Like, I wanted to world school, wanted our son to experience, like, this life and this culture. I travel a lot. And so I'm like, I, like, I get the, like, I don't know. When I'm out, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, the sights, the smells, the people, like, all of it. It just, like, ignites something within me. And so, I had my plan. Portugal was a front runner, would experience a life that involved this world schooling. I had this idea in my head that I would just be out marveling the beauty of the world around us. This was the plan, God. This was the plan. So what was this Moon Tower Church that you were calling me to? And obviously, since I'm here soon enough, I relented to God's plan and the plan that he had for my life. And I decided to put my name in the hat for the lead position of Moon Tower Church, which led me here today. And so as I learned more about what exactly it was we would be doing and the vision of the church, I learned that the church would be in the Baptist Student Ministries on campus at UT, and we would all work together with the larger community of the Baptist Journal Convention of Texas, which is the organization that the BSM is under and the organization that we would then have to be under as well in order to just use the space. And so, me being me, I've grown up playing sports, I'm a team person, I'm all about it, and so I'm like, oh yeah, we're about to do this. And so I was under this belief that our goal as a collective was to make this beautiful experience for all who walked into the doors of Moon Tower Church. And this very soon became a dream rather than a reality, as we realized this road was gonna be tougher than maybe we thought we were signing up for and harder than we could have imagined. This road was gonna be filled with people continually believing we were the other because we loved all people, yes. Even our LBGTQ plus brothers and sisters and how dare us let women lead and women of color lead and have diversity and backgrounds and thought and theology and all of the things. And yes, we even had some agnostics and some all types of people come into Moon Tower, people who eventually converted to other religions. We've had many people come into the doors of Moon Tower. We welcome them in and we love them in. And the one thing that I'm like so proud of is everybody who came in said they felt seen and they felt welcomed. And to me, that was the greatest win that we could have because whether or not they came back, they knew 
that they were seen and they knew that they were loved and they knew that they were welcomed in the doors of Moon Tower Church. And so yes, we would open our doors to all people, all people who were hurting, all those who were lost, who had been outcasted by other churches and organizations. And because of that, we were met with numerous challenges, right? You wouldn't think so. We were met with numerous challenges where we faced with tough decisions. We were faced with tough decisions because of who we were and the beliefs that we stood firm in, which was that anyone has a seat at the table and everyone can experience the extravagant love of Jesus. And so as I'm casting this vision of this all-inclusive church, one of the focuses, um, one of the things we wanna do is focus on love rather than condemnation. And I sat through meetings, that's what I did, like the first probably year, just meeting after meeting with people, casting vision, letting them know who we were, what we were about. And so I sat through meetings with different people and organizations, and I was meeting with this student organization, and I was casting vision about our church, um, and uh, how we just wanted to be a safe place for people. And so at the end of all of this, they asked me, well, when will you tell them about sin? I said, they said, when will you disciple them? I said, okay. Well, since when did discipling people <laughs> mean guilting people into choosing Jesus and making them feel like they were, the, making them feel like the lowest of the low and their only option was Christ? Yes, this is true that he is our best option, but it's because we are lovable. And it's because we are created in his image and as image bearers, I don't see any, I don't want anything separating anyone from Christ, from God, anything. And so that was the conversation is that we wanna love people, we wanna love people well, and we'll do everything we can to have people get closer to God. That's all people, including myself. And so we were told it was unfortunate that we didn't believe the same gospel. I just sat there baffled, really. And instead of building each other up as a church and as a people of God, I quickly realized that it was every man, every woman for themselves, and as we dealt with a mega church that said we were unable to use their worship team because they signed a non-compete clause. This was church. You really can't make this stuff up. I'm like, how is this church? Why did I come here? Why am I even here? What did I get myself into? These are the questions running through my mind as, and as we talk more about the story of Moon Tower Church and all that Jesus did through our time together, I want us though to look at a story of Mordecai and Esther. Because it really reminded me of the ways that God can take a story, make it his, and use it for his glory when you live into the position that God has placed you in. And so Esther is a woman that was positioned for something more than she could have ever imagined or, th or thought. And so when Esther, lost, when Esther lost her mother and father, her cousin Mordecai, then, um, then he, took, uh, he took care of her. And so... He takes care of her and he basically takes her in as a daughter. And so Mordecai though tells Esther to tell no one of her Jewish heritage and family ties. And so she becomes one of, she ends up becoming one of the women who are chosen to be an option to King Xerxes' wife. And so eventually Esther finds favor in the eyes of the king and she becomes his wife. She continues to keep her heritage a secret out of the obedience of Mordecai. And then there was a man, there was a man named Haman, and so he's promoted to be in a higher seat and even, even higher than the king's nobles, and so he becomes promoted to be basically second in command, his right-hand man to the king. And so because of this promotion, everyone must bow to Haman due to his new position and command. And so the king, or I'm sorry, and 
due to his, his new position to the king. And so, but Mordecai, he refuses to bow. And so he starts causing waves. And the book of Esther doesn't say exactly why, but if we feel like why he chooses not to bow, but if we like fill in the blanks, um, we can possibly conclude that Mordecai was um, not bowing to anybody who was not the king of the kings and lord of lords, which is God and God alone. And because of his refusal to bow, this makes Haman angry. And so we pick up the story in chapter three, verse eight, where Haman goes to the king about this issue of Mordecai not bowing and not respecting him in his high position. And so verse eight says, then Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people dispersed among the peoples and the providences of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of of all the other people and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. You see, people are threatened by the differences of others. And if they don't get the others to conform, then usually violence and judgment are inflicted on those who are now a threat to order. And so the threat to order comes when those who stand out but stand up for what they know to believe to be right and true. And so when I decided to come to Austin, what I had known about Austin was like this keep Austin weird energy. Like my family's from here. I loved coming to Austin. I come to South by Southwest. Like all I had known was like, this is a fun city. Like, you know, the culture here and this energy, you know, everybody's accepted. Like it's just this, this really cool place to me. And so I thought because of the culture of the city that the churches would be more open-minded and progressive. But I soon realized that the goal of the churches was to put the walls higher and higher on the entry of the church doors. And so in order to keep the community of Austin out, and I thought, you know, the people who we should be loving are the people who are most often judged and told they're not good enough to be loved by God. So I was confused by this because why would you come to a place, plan a church and tell the people in that particular place that they're not good enough to be a part of your church and to be a part of their own community? And in turn, that meant they weren't good enough to be a part of the community of people who were loved by God. And so we see Haman who was intolerant and who was prideful due to the power of his position. And he in turn responds by wanting to destroy an entire group of people because of one person who would not bow to him. And because of Mordecai's custom and beliefs are not in line with the king and the mainstream theology and thought process of the culture, then Hamam aims to wipe out anything and anyone that is countercultural. Have you heard a story like this before? <laughs> anything that goes against the grain is seen as a threat because of that an entire group of people suffer. And instead of being embraced because of their differences, they are shut out and shunned. So we kind of experienced something similar at Moon Tower in the ways that we did not fit into the surrounding church culture. First off, I did not check the box of white male, so that was kind of an issue. Something I can't change though, and so being in a predominantly white space and being a, pl- a, black, a black woman at that, it was a threat to order. And so we went through a lot because of that, but on campus, on a campus of 52,000 students, yes, UT is so big, there's over a thousand clubs that are less than, and there's over a thousand clubs and, and less than a hundred of those have a religious affiliation. So some say about 10% of the school identifies with some type of religion. That leaves roughly 90% to be reached by the gospel, which is over 46,000 people. I remember meeting with this student 
who had a goal of getting all of the local churches together. He wanted to do this, like he had this vision of doing basically a, a church service with all of the churches and having the dis- different pastors come up and teach and all these things. I was like, I mean, that sounds like a cool idea. And so I started asking him more questions about it. And so he named off some of the churches that would be involved. And I said, hey, you know, those churches don't affirm women. So like if my church was involved, I wouldn't be able to go up on stage and teach. And so I said, and the LBGTQ plus stance, like we just differ in that. And so I told him he would have to make a choice. But the smartest choice for him, honestly, I told him, he's, he's a young kid, I said, the smartest choice for you is to go with the masses because like, that's where the money's at. You need money to fund what you're doing. You want people behind you. So the smartest thing for you is to go with the masses, which would leave out an incredibly large amount of the school's population, but it would include a significantly larger amount of the church population. See the imbalance there. And that remains the problem when the churches cannot open their doors to all who are in their community because they're too busy being countercultural to stop and love people where they're at, the people who they are supposed to serve. And so over and over again, we met other churches and student organizations in our YouTube community who were content with remaining in their bubble. But we tried to do the opposite because we knew that we, wanted to, we needed to burst the bubbles in order to reach the people that God needed to be reached. And we did that. We found an intimate and loving community with one another at Moon Tower Church and God allowed us to find each other just at the moments when we needed each other the most. So CJ's here today and she's one of the students who was at UT. She was invited by a friend at church and I asked a couple of people like, hey, can you just send me like something? What, what does Moon Tower mean to you? They actually had wrote some stuff on social media already. So I was like, hey, will you just send me something? And so I wanted to share this because it's hard for you to get a picture of who we really were and what we really did with our time together without hearing from some of the people that I just like love so deeply. And so CJ says, Moon Tower to me was more than just a space where we could all gather. It was a second home to me. And in my 21 years on this earth, I've never felt more comfortable coming into a place in being my 100% authentic self. When I first started attending Moon Tower, I put up a front and only displayed my presentable side of myself. The side with no anxiety, no fears, no questions. And in such a short time, amount of time, Pastor Ivor and the entire Moon Tower staff became people that I can lean on when I had such fears, doubts, questions, and uncertainties. In short, I'll forever be changed by these wonderful people and I am eternally grateful that God has the, that God, I wanna mess this part up, that God was the one to bring us all together. That God, only God. Man may try and stop you, people may have other plans for you, but God and God alone will be the one who will help you to pursue what, you've, what he's placed on your heart. And so CJ also, she's a person who she enjoyed singing, but had never been a part of a worship team. And for the last year, she beautifully led worship for us. And just to see her heart there, her vulnerability, her bravery in doing that, like, man, this is it. This is why we're here. And another one of the coolest things is that we built a close relationship with the Moon Tower Apartments. This is where our church was housed. And there was almost 600 students in this apartment none of whom, I wanna say none, but most, like most of them didn't attend church. And so they got to receive that support from us as a church. They knew us, they knew who we were, they knew we were, they knew we were about it because we always brought food too. So they were like, yeah, we <laughs> were like, we know y'all are coming. And so whether it was just like an encouraging word, a happy hour with food, I got to do ashes on Ash Wednesday, 
And the coolest thing was that the first ever baptism that I got to do was in the Moon Tower Apartments pool. And so I was kind of worried because some students were partying up there. And I was like, hey, man, like there's students up there. We're about to go do this thing. We got this group of people coming. We're going to do this baptism. And so he's like, I'm going to go talk to him. So he goes and talks to him. And he's like, oh, they're just going to stay and hang out. And so I was like a little worried about it. I was like, oh, I don't know how they're going to receive us or what they're going to do. But literally they stopped everything they were doing, turned off the music, stopped everything they were doing, and they became a part of the moment, a part of this baptism. And they celebrated this with us. And I just thought, man. God, look what you've done. What you, well, look what you've done because we went to a group of people who people thought, nah, there's, there's no use in that. And we were a part of this change within them and within this community. And some of them had never been, they'd never been exposed to church. They may not ever be exposed to church again, but we were it for them. And I love that. And so over two years, though over the two years, we continue to fight. We continued to fight for what we believe was right, which was that anyone could have a seat at the table and everyone could be loved by Jesus. And this thought process made things more difficult for us. And as we could be, as Haman described Mordecai, I, I felt this, like this, this being a certain people dispersed among this providence whose customs are different and they don't obey the king's laws. And so Haman asked to destroy the Jews and the king's response was do with them as you please. He nonchalantly allowed a group of people to be condemned to death because his second in command truly just asked. And so Haman decides to move forward with this plan and word gets back to the Jewish people and they begin to lament and to mourn for what they believe is their future, which is death. This is their fate, but because of customs, their fate would not be carried out for another 11 months. And so the people are mourning and Esther, who's sitting in this high position, within this palace, she's, you know, now is not, she's not connected to the outside world. And so she ends up getting word that people are mourning and she's asking what's happening? What's happening in the streets? And she hears that Mordecai is leading this like procession of mourn. And so she has, she can't speak directly to Mordecai, but she sends a servant and they speak back and forth. And so Mordecai asked her to go to the king and she responds and says, like, my hands are tied. I can't do that because you're unable to speak to the king unless you're called for. And so it was the customs and laws that if you went out of turn to the king, like, you could be subjected to death. And so she's like, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about this. And so Mordecai responds to her in chapter four, chapter four verse 12. And it says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. I think this is a reminder to Esther to remember who you are, remember where you came from, and know that's what, what will happen if you remain silent and if you do not stand up for what is right and stand up for your community. He says, God will make another way though. I don't make another way because God always makes a way out of no way. But what if this way is through you, your voice and your purpose and your position? And Mordecai says, and who knows, but what, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this, but who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as as this. For such a time as this, God has placed each of us exactly where we're at in order to fill our purpose 
fulfill our purpose. We must dig deep and find out what it is that God wants us to do with our positions within our community. Over and over again, I felt the weight and the depth, like I felt this heavy burden of what we were doing and why I was here in Austin. I felt the weight of my position, but I had to continue to remember, but what if I was placed in this position for such a time as this, for this community and for these people? For this church and the students that we would meet and all the people, the hundreds of students and people that would come through our church throughout our time at Moon Tower, the people who were able to feel loved, the people who were able to feel accepted, the people who were not judged, the people who truly could be, could be in their own being. What, how, what freedom that is, right? And because we pressed on when things got difficult and we continued to cast our vision and be a group who found reasons to invite you in rather than leave you out, we got to have more testimonies and more stories of students like Hannah. Hannah graduated from UT, she's not here today, but she graduated from UT and we, we got to celebrate her. She graduated through UT and she stayed around and she became our worship pastor. And so what she had to say was, Moon Tower Church was a safe place where everyone was welcome to the table. Moon Tower, what I like to call it, Mooney, I don't know why she liked to call it Mooney, but was where I was accepted as a person and as a leader. I made friends who became family and through the people and all the moments, I was able to experience God hold me up and hold me together. At Mooney, I experienced God as my comforter and my friend. I'm forever grateful and forever changed by what God did at Moon Tower Church. And it is my greatest honor to have been there at all. And so I love this because if you knew Hannah, which you don't, but she's a church kid, has grown up in church her whole life, has been leading worship since she was like seven. And so she had this expectation and this weight on her, like, hey, you gotta have it all together. You gotta know what you're talking about. You gotta come with it. And so for her to just come to Moon Tower and to lead in a way where she could also doubt and she could also ask questions was just so much freedom. And so there were just many testimonies, but there was also hardship. There was also the ups and there was the downs and even through the loss of funds. Yes, as soon as I was hired as pastor of Moon Tower Church, we lost $60,000 because I was a woman and because I was a black woman. And so through the loss of funds, through the turnover in our initial launch group, through changes in leadership, through threats from larger organizations, yes, that's why you haven't seen me. I had to make a choice, I had to make a decision, and I had to distance myself from Restore so that we could keep our church space and I could keep on inviting people in, I can keep on loving them because of our positions, because of our theology, and because of our beliefs. Like I still got to do the things that God wanted me to do. I still got to teach and love people, invite everyone and anyone in, but this was a choice I had to make. And so through all of these things, we continue to place our feet firmly in the idea that this church, this place, that Moon Tower was recreated for all people. This church was created for such a time as this. And we're here so we can welcome and we can love our community, embrace the people who have church or embrace the people who don't know exactly what this thing is about, but they need a little hope. We were there to love and to love all. And that's so crucial in a time where we feel like there is no hope. And the sweet thing is that we formed a community where in the midst of loneliness 
in isolation. These are students, and we're all people who have come out of COVID, right? Coming back, returning to our life. And so getting through this isolation, this different feeling, and this social anxiety, we created a community that could rest in the goodness and love of one another, and most importantly, in God. And so it's like, how could something so sweet end? This is what I've been struggling with. I think Esther shows what it means to make difficult decisions during difficult times and how God can still be working behind the scenes and in many circumstances, even when we feel like he's not, he's still working. He's still working. And we know that God works it out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and to his plan. And so if you're curious about how both of these stories end, I'll start with how the story of Esther ends is that she chooses to risk her life to speak to the king, and as it's, because you know, as it was customary, she couldn't come to the king at a turn, and so she risks her life, and she uses her position to save her community. She risks it all, and guess what? Things turn around in her favor, and the king is so delighted to see her that he overlooks the law, and he listens to her, and he allows her to make a decree that will allow the Jewish people to defend and protect themselves from their enemies. And so, as for our Moon Tower Church community, some of our Moon Tower Church community gave up on church, understandably so, because of what happened to us, and some found a new church home where they can be safe and free to be who they are, accepted, and all of these things. And the, and the win in all of this, though, is that no matter where they landed, that they haven't given up on God. They haven't given up on God, and they haven't given up on our community, the community of people who found a collective voice together in Moon Tower Church. You see, amazing things happen when we love each other in community and we understand that the most important thing is how well we can love each other exactly where we're at. This is the way that Christ intended us in our purpose within our community. It is that all that we do is out of love for one another and love for our community, and if we do this, and we don't have to worry about the four walls of the church sustaining our faith. But we know that our faith is found directly in Jesus, directly in the one who created us and directly in the one whose image we bear. And so although we won't continue to gather as Moon Tower Church, our community, it will still remain. This fire still burns inside of me for the things that we did, the people who we met, all the people who we loved all the people who found life, not in the church, but in Jesus, through the church, through Moon Tower Church and what God built. And we found love for one another that will forever and ever exist. And we know that God is pleased. We know that God is pleased with how we use our position for such a time as this. And so as we end this, you're, oh, you're probably actually also wondering, What's next for me? Well, it's really exciting. What's next for me? I talked about that five-year Portugal plan. We're coming up on about five years, and the incredible thing is that we will be fulfilling that, that destiny and that mission of going and living in, in beautiful places and, and experiencing culture outside of you know our normal, what we know. And so we're going to be, me and my little four-year-old, he is just like insane for the pool, for the beach, for all the things. If you met him, you're like, oh my, he's, he's wild. So fun. He has a little bit of my energy, a lot of bit of my energy and uh, spunk. And so him and I, we're going to head over to Cabo and 
we're just gonna, you know, live on the beach and hang out. And honestly, I just wanna live into a community where I can, where I can rest, um, where I can reset, and where I can also just find people to love and encourage and people who will also pour back into me. Um, I'm, I'm sad, I'm sad. This was my last weekend in Austin and I was very intentional about uh, building a community and having friends here. And I'm so proud that I did just that. And I have people who love me and love me deeply and who I love so deeply, who have been saying bye to this long goodbye. Um, but I'm, you know, all of these things, I believe that um, because of my faith, because of my obedience, God gave me everything back and more. There was so much grief and so much hardship, and I know many of us have experienced that, right, throughout these last few years. Like, it's been a wild ride as a collective. And I know we feel that this is a place, this is a community that you could be, and you can have the freedom to feel without judgment, the freedom to just be loved. Man, what a release that is. And so I'm so proud of Zach and all of the team here and everything that we've done together. Like it, it, was, it was a roller coaster ride for sure. But I'm excited about what God is gonna do and what God is continuing to do and all the reasons why I needed to be it positioned, right? For such a time as this. And so I'm gonna pray for us as, as a collective and as a community that in your positions that you would find what your heart burns for, you would find that thing that lights your fire, you would find that way to just love everybody where they're at. And so, like I said, the four walls of the church would not sustain our faith, but it would be who we are everywhere that we are. And so let us pray. God, we just thank you so much for this community, this group, this collective, the opportunities that you've given us just to be, to ask questions, to doubt, and to understand that you are our ultimate provider, God. When things don't look the way that we think that they should, God, you're working and you're working in the midst of heartache and tragedy. And God, you'll bring the people, God. You'll create the spaces so that you could use us in the way that you have designed Jesus and that we would use, be used in our purpose, God, and in our passions, and that those things would be fulfilled through the hope that we have in you, Jesus. And so God, as we close out this time, I pray that we would just all be encouraged by the people who we have around us, and God, the people you will bring to us in order to serve and love one another and be loved and be served and be poured into in the same way that we pour out to others. God, we thank you so much for loving us. This in your precious in Holy Son's name we pray, amen. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna stay here because we're gonna do a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we just have a, a couple more things really quick. I wanted to um, first just come and publicly affirm Ivor and the way that you've led um, over these last few years has been um, incredible. Um, I think that... You know, when you have this this thing to come and, and start this sister church and on our end thinking about like, oh, I, I hope that we really help this like this thing get off the ground and do incredible stuff and we can kind of be behind the scenes and really empower and teach and all that kind of stuff. And I think I probably learned more from you than you know than you did from me over the years. And so I just appreciate you Thanks, um, teaching and leading in such incredible ways. Um, you've been amazing to work with and we'll always be, you know, brother and sister forever. For sure. Um, so I wanted to, to fill in a little bit of a gap um, on, on our end of the story, which is that 
You know, we, we got approached years ago about uh, starting this, this church on campus at UT in this facility. There was a new facility being built. Uh, the people who owned it wanted to start it. And we had, they, we'd been approached by them and they said, this is what we'd like. And we said, okay, I'm not sure, you know, how much, you know, value congruence there is between us, but um, if, if there's enough and you're comfortable with us doing it our way, which is the way that Ivor just described so beautifully up here, um, then we're in. And so they said, you know what, 100%, you've got our support, you do it your way, um, you make it happen. And, um, and I think one big learning and takeaway was, uh, was you know, not, not necessarily trusting that at the very beginning, but waiting for more demonstrations. The idea of, of when people kind of show you who they are, that you should believe them rather than just the words that they say, listening more to the actions that they um, do. And so that was a big takeaway. But another huge takeaway for me was when we were going through the interview process with Ivor, so we'd raised a bunch of money already. Um, we'd actually had hired somebody about a year or so before Ivor to do small groups here at Restore and help at Moon Tower. His name was John, so you remember John. Um, and then COVID hits and, and it wasn't really working out and so John left and so we kind of started the process over as the launch for Moon Tower got pushed back. Um, and so we started over and, and we you know, connected with Ivor and a number of other candidates and we're walking through this process and I remember like during the conversation of like, hey, I, th- I think this is like gonna work. Let, let's make this happen. Let's hire you f- officially. Um, you kind of gave me like a little bit of a warning. You were just like, hey, I just need you to know um, that there's gonna be some like roadblocks. And I was like, nah, it'll be fine. (laughs) It'll be totally fine. She was like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. Um, You know, being a black woman, there's like, which I don't. And, uh, you know, fairness. Um, And, uh, and, you know, I, I think... Um, I, I, I believed you theoretically, um, but I didn't really understand. And, uh, I was right. The day that we hired her, um, we had, you know, posted about it. Hey, this is our new pastor at Moon Tower. Um, we had made some calls to people we'd already raised money with. And, uh, we lost $60,000 that day, um, from people who pulled out. Um, and it was, it was one of the more like shocking, baffling, angering things that I remember that day so vividly. And I had three conversations because it was three organizations that pulled out. And, um, you know, the, the first one um, uh, pulled out initially and then was like, well, you know what, Ivor can come actually present to us. Um, and, uh, and so we did that in good faith. I said, I don't want to just drive up and present if it's not for real. And Ivor gives this, you know, presentation um, with a bunch of other church planters. It was by far the best one. Even the people in the meeting afterwards said it. <laughs> Ivor gives her presentation. She gets asked the most asinine questions, um, which is like, who is really the pastor of this church, yeah, though? Yeah, Like, is it your husband? Yeah. Or um, they asked you if you knew what the gospel was. Yeah, they asked me what the gospel was. Yep. Um, it I was really help. like... We're kind of... Yeah. It was, <laughs> but At this point. It was so demeaning. But, I mean, like, you, like were incredible. You were just like rolled with it, you know, answered, kind, faithful, direct, the whole thing killed it. Um, they were like, Ivor, that was great. Thank you so much. She walks out of the room, um, goes into the hall and we like are, they're like deliberating. And I got to stay in for that part. Cause I'm a man and, um, stayed in for that part. And I remember right when it starts, they were like, well, that was probably the best presentation, but you know, we can't fund her cause she's a woman. And I mean, like immediately, and I was so mad. I mean, like, Ivor probably heard me yelling in the hallway. I mean, I was like, mad, mad. And I was like, we drove all the way up here, did all this stuff. Well, you know, you made her go through this. So mad. So that was the first one. The second one, they were telling me about, you know what? It's not even just that she's a woman. It's that she's a black woman. And I was like, you, how, you can't say things like that, you know? Like, believe that, I guess. But, like, you can't say stuff like that, you know? 
And I was like, how, like, make that make sense, you know? Because you've known, we have women pastors, we have women elders, my bosses are women, <laughs> uh, three of the four. Um, and so I'm like, you, you knew this already, right? Like that we have women in every area of leadership. And they were like, well, yeah, but like, they weren't like in front every week, you know? It's, so I was like, it's not even theology, it's just like aesthetic conversation that we're having right now. And then it was like, you know, it's not even just that she's a woman, she's a black woman. I was like, make me understand the black part then, like tell me. And they were like, well, you know, you can't really like always trust like theology from black people and stuff. And I remember being, again, so angry, yelling on the phone. <laughs> um, it, it sometimes lots takes me yelling, along. Lots of emails. Lots, lots of emails, of lots of fire emails. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that Ivor got CC'd on. And I, I go back to Ivor and I remember saying like, you told me this would happen. I had no idea that it would be this level though. And I'm so angry and I'm flipping out. And like, you seem so calm. Like, how do you deal with this? Like, how do you go through this? And I'll never forget, you basically just said like, I'm not surprised. Like, this yeah. is what it's like. And so I just wanted to ask you about like, how has that been and what does it look like to navigate that even moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I told Zach, I was like, are you ready for this? You're the only person I would do this with because of what you already stood for. You know, before it was cool, you were already fighting for justice and all of these things. And so I'm like, all right, you were the person I do this with, but you have to understand what we're about to do. And so you told me, I'm gonna be in front of you. I'm gonna deflect as much as I possibly can. I trusted that and I believed that. And as soon as we got into it, things started popping off and happening and they were angry. And I was just like, why are y'all so mad? <laughs> like they were literally so angry. And I'm just like, uh, welcome, <laughs> like welcome. And you know, that also like, I, I, I looked at that and I was like, man, I'm actually though sad for that. Like sad that this is the reality. I know what it means to be a trailblazer. I know what it means to be the first and this is the brunt of it. Like I, I take that. And so um, one of the other things was I've learned through this process that I can hold two very different emotions at the same time and it's very healthy. And so on one end, I was like so proud of my friends. I was feeling like, man, they have my back. They're behind me. Like I, I felt love from that, right? But the other part of it, I was angry because I couldn't be angry. Angry was a privilege. If I was angry, I was the angry black woman. And here I was being put in yet another box just for being and for feeling what I was like, what I was supposed to feel, right? But one thing with this, I told that I've got to put blinders on. If I let everything come into me, then I, would, I, won't, I won't stand and I won't sustain. And so this is me focused with my blinders on, knowing that, all right, God has placed me. God has positioned me. Like, this is the prize. These are the people. This is what I need you here for. And that's what I did. And I kept going and I kept moving because of God and God alone, honestly. It wasn't in like I was I was blessed to be affirmed by everybody and to be loved by everybody and know that like yeah this is my position but it was God and it was God alone that sustained me and I tell people if I didn't have a direct relationship with God and I didn't have like true faith in Jesus I would never ever be part of the church again but because of who God is Amen yeah you apply for that for sure That's why I'm here Yes oh that's so good um, yeah, that, that was an incredible realization for me, right? Uh, beginning to understand privilege and power and, and all of the stuff that comes from that, right? Um, from the color of my skin and my gender and, you know, where I was born, the family I was in, all of that kind of stuff. I think beginning to understand that, but then even seeing it as like the ability to be in the room and yell at those guys was a privilege, right? Um, like she wasn't even in the room yeah. anymore. Like she wasn't even allowed in the room, right? Um, and so like, what does it look like um, for any of us with any level of power and privilege, regardless of where we are in this world, whatever we have to to steward that power and privilege in the service of others 
to do it, to lay it at the feet of Jesus and use whatever we have to help other people. And that's been such a huge takeaway for me. And I think you've modeled that in such incredible ways. So um, I wanted to, to read a quick quote and then we're going to pray for you and kind of, you know, commission you out to, to Cabo, um, the best commissioning post ever. You know, that's yeah. going to be dope. Also, I'm very excited. I'm excited. I'm going to be taking, I'm going to take swim lessons on the beach. Like I'm going to take... I'm in the ocean, you know, that's like, I'm so excited for that. I want to take surf lessons. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be out there doing yoga headstands on the beach all day. <laughs> it's going to be so great. You got a great school for Manny too, international yeah. school. Super excited. It's going to be awesome. But th this quote from Rachel Held Evans, I think so perfectly encapsulates, um, you know, kind of what the church is and what Moon Tower was and is. Um, and so I just want to read it to us. And she says, the truth is the church doesn't offer a cure. It doesn't offer a quick fix. The church offers death and resurrection. The church offers the messy, inconvenient, gut-wrenching, never-ending work of healing and reconciliation. The church offers grace. Mm -hmm. And I think you, Ivor, as a pastor in Moon Tower Church, embodied that quote and embodied the life-giving love of Jesus inside of a church family as well as anything I've ever seen. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. What right. a journey. <laughs> what a journey. What a story. What a story. We'll forever have to tell. It's ours. That's it. It's our story. All right. I'm going to say a quick prayer, um, and then we're going to be dismissed. Um, so, God, thank you so much for this morning. Um, thank you for Ivor, for, for CJ, for Hannah, um, God, for so many others. Uh, Ross and Kitty, so many others who, who, who led in such incredible ways over the years at Moon Tower. And I thank you for the way that you worked in and through them to do such beautiful, amazing things. And I think about how not only did so many people have such an incredible experience with you and with community at Moon Tower, but God, that you used Ivor and Moon Tower and those leaders to expose so much of the hypocrisy and the dark side of church so that it could come to the light so that we could condemn it for what it is, God, which is not of you. God, I pray that we would be a church and that we would call other churches in this city and all over the place to be churches who follow you, Jesus, to be churches who love you, that put others first, God, that love God and love our neighbor as you said is most important, God. I pray that we would not be timid about standing in and doing that and we would not be timid about calling others to do the same. And that, like we said, we would use whatever power, privilege, position that we have, like Esther, like Ivor, like so many others, to stand in for people who need help, to lift them up, to love them, and to point them to your love, Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.